Joshua chapter number 3, verse 15. As they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. But you notice in parenthesis it says, For Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. I want to preach to you tonight by the help of the Holy Ghost on the subject, distractions at harvest time. Distractions at harvest time. Amen. The Lord's going to speak to us tonight. Ever so often I feel a special anointing come on me, a deep anointing and I feel it on me right now. Amen. I hope everybody will tune into the word of the Lord tonight. <clears throat> you claim to have the Holy Ghost, you need to open your spirit to the word of the Lord tonight. Amen, amen, amen. How many of you help me preach tonight for a few moments? Amen. Let's clap our hands one more time to the Lord. Lift your voice. Give him a shout of praise. He's worthy. Praise God. I love you, Jesus. Magnify your name, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. It is at the conclusion of 40 years of wandering in a wilderness. 40 years of just going in a circle. Amen. And I believe and am convinced that it did not matter how long it took for God to remove this generation of unbelief, whether it was 40 years or 400 years, he was going to take care of this unbelief. Amen. I, I want you to understand that if we are not careful, and you've probably heard this before, but if we are not careful we only preach half of a message. Amen. Now, I know I got all you apostolics' attention right now. Amen. You see, Egypt is a type of the world, and Pharaoh is a type of your adversary, and <clears throat> Moses is a type of the preacher of the gospel. It was his responsibility to preach them out of Egypt. And it's the responsibility of the ministry to preach you out of the world. To preach you out of the bondage of an Egyptian taskmaster. Amen. It is the responsibility of all of us to come out of the world. And when we say come out of the world, we're not talking about coming out of this cosmos, but rather coming out of its philosophy. Amen. The bondage of sin. The Adamic nature. Amen. And we have preached that, preached it strong. We've preached separation. But yet if we're not careful, we stop with half the message. Because the first half is come out. But the second half is go in. Amen. We have perhaps preached to people and we have prided ourselves in the fact that we have come out of the world. But yet, I have seen a lot of Pentecostal people come out of the world, but for what? It just seemed like they just spiritually wandered from that point on, never understanding 
the purpose of God or the will of God for their lives. I've seen congregations do that. They thought all there was to church is just coming on a Sunday night, having a good time, shouting a little bit, talking in tongues, going home, and <clears throat> talking about how loud the PA was, how cold the building was, and all that stuff. Amen. That is not the purpose of God for the church. Somebody needs to say amen or oh me or something. Amen. And, uh, but it is the will of God for us not just to come out of the world, but it is the will of God for us to enter into the things that God has promised and destined for the church. Amen. And it is two passings and two crossings that you must take. Amen. I told Brother Johnson, Brother Johnson in it, amen. I told him this afternoon, I said, you see, we understand one of them. And the first one is you've got to pass through the Red Sea. And the Red Sea is a type, according to the Apostle Paul in the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it is a type of water baptism. It is where you drown your past. It's where you get rid of your past. You get rid of the old man. And a lot of people have shouted about the fact that they have been baptized and baptized in the name of the Lord. But I'm telling you, that's the first body of water that you've got to cross. The second one is a little harder. Stay with me just a second. Amen. There's a lot of people shouting about coming through baptism and coming through the Red Sea. But very few have made it to the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is a type of the denial of self-will and the denial of flesh where the will of man dies out and the carnal man has to die. Amen. It's not good enough just for you to say I've been baptized and I've believed on God and I've received the Holy Ghost. But there comes a point in a time in your walk with God that you have got to pray the same thing that Jesus prayed. Not my will, but thy will be done. Somebody help me here tonight. Amen. Amen. I know a lot of Pentecostals that have got a lot of things down right, but they have yet to truly cross the Jordan River. They have yet to really die out to their will and to die out to themselves. They live, oh, they enjoy church and they enjoy the society of church and the social aspect of church, but yet they have yet to die out to themselves and to die out to the carnal desires, and to die out to self, amen, and to pray. I have often said that Jesus really did not die on the cross. He died in the garden when he prayed. Anytime a man substitutes his will or the will of God for his will, you can truly say that he has died out. Christianity is more than just mere believism and confession of faith. But it is picking up your cross. It's dying out to yourself. It's walking with God in that true dimension of promise and spiritual prosperity. Amen. Everybody say amen. Jesus did not succumb to the devil in the temptation of the wilderness. Amen. Three times the devil come to him with the pride of life, the, the lust of the eye, and the lust of the flesh. He never hesitated, never succumbed, but yet... When the weakness of his own humanity, and I know it's a hard for us to grasp and to swallow, but he who was pure, when he looked at what he had to do, his flesh and his will struggled with it. When he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nonetheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. Amen. That is where God wants every one of us to come to. Amen. 
And so we come to our text tonight. We have Israel having for 40 years wandered in the wilderness. The only thing they knew, and Brother Ewing, I believe that the Holy Ghost is trying to get the church to this point. And I don't, I don't want to get into this too much tonight because somewhere in the revival I'm going to touch on this in a more in-depth manner. Amen. You see, when they come out of Egypt, they were used to taskmasters and slaves. And they were slaves and used to bondage. And somebody telling them when to get up. And somebody telling them when to go to bed. And somebody telling them when to make brick. The only thing they knew about leadership or life was the fact of it from bondage and the servant's viewpoint. They did not know how to adapt to air mentality and to promise mentality. The only kind of leadership they could respond to was something that drove them or something that forced them or something that made them. Amen. And so the apostolic church, because we come out of a world where sin drove us and the lust of the flesh had us in bondage. And so the only kind of leadership, if we're not careful, we can respond to is something with a whip in its hand and pushing the church and forcing the church and driving the church. But that kind of leadership did not get Israel into the land of promise. It was when Joshua said, look, you're not following me. You're following that ark. You put it out there a few cubits ahead of you. And you can hear the great apostle Paul as he said, you follow me as I follow Christ. Somewhere along the lines, we've got to come away from slave mentality and to understand that God does not want to drive us or to force us or to push us, but we've got to learn how to follow the Holy Ghost and we've got to learn how to be led of the Spirit. I found out people that you have to make do things the moment you turn your head and you get, they get behind you. They're going to go right ahead and do it. Amen. Somewhere they've got to come to the point that it's not just the only relationship they have with God is through a man. But they've got to understand I've got to develop a relationship with God to the point that I can learn how to follow the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. And so 40 years have passed. They've come to a new moment. It's new leadership. It's a new era, a new time, a new way of doing things. That's the hardest thing for us to swallow is something new. Boy, we get so used to doing it a certain way. You know, it doesn't take, just hang on, I'm going to preach, Amen. It doesn't take much spiritual leadership to follow a path you've been on for 40 years. I guarantee you they had trees that they knew about. Yeah, that got hit by lightning back in 42. Oh, yeah. And they had done it that way so long. It just become rhetoric and a part of just, just out of habit. But when Joshua sent them together, he said, you're going to have to keep your eyes on the ark because we've never been this way before. I'm going to preach here in just a second. Amen. Praise God. So we have to come to a point, and every congregation has to come to a point. True revival causes us to come to a moment of change. Oh, yeah. And that's why a lot of churches do not have true revival. It's because we get stuck in our ruts and in our routines. And we've always done it this way. And we've always had this happen. And the Holy Ghost gets to trying to bring us into a new dimension. 
and we're so back over here in the habits of our own minds and our professional Pentecostalism. Well, I've always worshipped God like this, and I've always said this in prayer. But I'm telling you, when you get down to revival, revival comes from a word called change. Amen. It's where you get so sick of doing it that way. And I've been singing this and singing that, and I'm not talking about this church. Amen. And I've been praying like this and praying that away and preaching like this and all. But all of a sudden, you get desperate with God. You get hungry for God. And the Holy Ghost says, if you're going to come where I want you to come, you've got to be willing to go through this Jordan River where you die out to the way you've done it and the way you've thought it was to be done. And you come into the true dimension that I want to bring you into. Somebody said, amen. You going to stay with me here just a second. Now, they got to the Jordan River, and now there's a problem here. Jordan, you know, it's hard enough to cross the river. They didn't have the Army of Engineer Corps. They, they didn't have the technology that we have. And, and they're standing there looking at this river, and three million people at least have got to cross. And when they finally, when the command comes from God and leadership to cross, and they get to the river, the Bible says that Jordan was out of its banks. It was in a flood stage. Said it was always it always flooded during the time of harvest. Amen. Just just stay here a second. And he said that, that when they appeared there, it see it would have been easier to have crossed when it was in a normal stage. Now, see the Jordan is a type of death to the carnal man and to the flesh. And so what the writer's telling us here through the symbols of the Old Testament is that carnality was out of its banks and was uncontrollable. Flesh is out of its banks. You can't control it. And it was when flesh and carnality was on a rampage that God said, now's a good time to cross. Oh, God. Just you and they could have sat there and said, uh, God, it, it, it's, you, you, do you see what's going on here? This thing's flooding. And it's a little deeper than it usually is. And we got kids and cattle and we're going to lose some stuff here and all. And it could have become a major distraction to Israel to cross at that point because of an overflowing and a flooding Jordan. Praise God. But God knew it's a time of harvest. And if you're going to come into it, you're coming in a time of harvest. Praise God. Amen. I, I want you to hear I, I wrote this down this afternoon. We want the promises of God. And we want the supernatural. And we, we want the signs and the wonders. And all the things that God has destined. And everything that the land of promise holds for the church. Something hit me this afternoon. Their entry into the land of promise was through harvest. And as long as we strive for everything else, we will never achieve or never arrive in the promises of God. But when we understand the way to get to the promises of God is through the door of evangelism. That's the only way that we can get there. Why else do we want it? God is not interested in giving the supernatural to a bunch of spoiled Pentecostals so we can come and entertain each other. That's not the purpose of God. The purpose of God is to meet the needs of humanity. 
Oh, praise God. We get outside these four walls, there'll be more miracles happen. Oh, praise God. Amen. Now, I, I, I got to hurry here. See, when, when God gets ready to bring us over, it is at a moment of major distraction. It's harvest time, and God says, now's the time to go. It would have been easy for Israel to get their eyes on the flood and say, you know, we, we can't do it, and, and we're sorry and all this stuff. But I'm telling you, listen to me. We are living in an era of time, even in the church, where carnality is rampant. All this stuff we fuss about on conference platforms, the do's and the don'ts and these issues, that's not the problem. We just keep knocking spider webs down. We, we haven't killed the spider. Amen. That real problem is carnality. It's flesh. Flesh is out of its banks. Carnality is running rampant. Well, you might as well say amen. Amen. The problem that we face now is not the issues. It's the fact. I mean, we could pass all the legislation you want to pass. But until we deal with the true problem, people, the laws for the lawless. People are going to keep reverting back to their true nature, which is carnality. It don't matter, it don't matter what kind of laws we pass. Somewhere we've got to come to the point we understand. We've got to cross this river. We've got to get past the flesh. We've got to get past carnality. If we're going to have revival, we're not going to have it on the fleshly side of Jordan. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. The church must, it must come to that place where we are not having church out of flesh or out of tradition. But we've learned that if we're going to have what God said we're going to have, we've got to get past this old veneer of flesh. We've got to step beyond the veil and into the holy of holies where the divine kind of God is and the glory of God dwells. God can do more in 15 seconds than we can do in three hours of protocol. You know as well as I do, when the presence of God comes sweeping into a building, how can a man meet the needs, the multiplicity of needs that are in a congregation? There's not enough sermons that I could preach tonight to meet every need. But you let the Holy Ghost get to sweeping through here. One may be sick. One may be depressed. One may need the Holy Ghost. Somebody may need a financial miracle. But when the Spirit begins to move, it begins to touch all the needs in that congregation. Hallelujah. Now, <laughs> now, let me show you what happens. See, have you ever read the book of Judges? It, it, it's a weird book. Doesn't make sense. Most of the other books have a theme, a continuity to it, but Judges just jumps here and jumps there, and, and finally you get, you know why? Because the last few verses tell you, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. No real authority, no real leadership of the book of Judges. And so man's left to do his own thing, and that's how come there's so much confusion in the book of Judges. One of the unique stories of the book of Judges is a man by the name of Gideon. Gideon's out behind the wine press, and he's doing everything he can. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. He's doing everything he can to work out a meager existence. 
You have to give him credit because at least he's trying. And when the angel steps on the scene, he says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. Now, why is he a mighty man of valor? He's never fought a battle. I'm going to tell you why. At least he's trying. While everybody else is up here in their caves of fear and dens of intimidation, Gideon's at least sneaking down behind the wine press. My God, have mercy. He's at least trying to get a little bit of harvest. But the Bible says in the days of Gideon, the problem was that every time they got ready to have a harvest, that the Midianites would come in and trample out the harvest. Now, Midianites are the descendants of Midian. Midian was a grandson of Abraham. His name means contentious or brawler. He was a scrapper. He liked to fight. He liked to cause trouble. He liked to stir stuff up. And what's saying here is, every time that Israel got ready for a harvest, this whole spirit of Midian would come in. And now you see the distractions at harvest time. It would trample down the crops. It wouldn't let them have the harvest. They'd go out and plant it and, and, and cultivate it and try to reap it. But the moment they got ready for a harvest, here comes Midian. Here comes the flesh. Here comes the problems. It comes in and tramples it out. And it says, you're not going to have the harvest. It's ours. And you hear me. I've been in church long enough and pastor long enough and been in enough revivals. It never fails. Never fails. A church starts praying and starts fasting and pushing and contending. It's getting ready for a harvest. Amen. It's planted. It's watered. It's getting ready to cultivate and to harvest, the, to get the harvest. Amen. It never fails. But at that moment, somebody, some carnal somebody wants to start a fuss. Wants to get mad about something. Wants to create a situation. Boy, it's quiet in here right now. It never fails. Gets out of its banks. It starts running rampant. Somebody doesn't like this. Somebody doesn't like that. And, 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 and here they go. And they want to trash this. And they want to. Now, look, you can sit there and act like you're glorified if you want to, but I know better. <laughs> and I know flesh. All it takes, and this is this, I'm going to tell you something. See, if the devil himself walked through those back doors tonight, I wouldn't be the least bit scared. Wouldn't bother me at all. I said, oh, it'd bother me. Wouldn't bother me at all. First of all, I don't think he wants to come in here because there's, wherever there's worship, he kind of, worship kind of bothers him. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does. Amen. Uh, if, if a spirit come in here and manifested itself in some form tonight, it wouldn't bother me at all. I'm, I'll tell you what scares me, though. It's a saint that hadn't prayed in a while. It's a carnal person. Because, see, the devil, oh, boy, here we go. See, the devil can't walk in here and talk to us audibly tonight. Now, you tell me something. If the devil walked in here tonight or a spirit walked in here tonight and it started speaking and it started telling us what it wanted to do, we would know what it is. We could bind it, cast it out, send it back to the pit, wherever they go. Amen. I used to think they all went to Oak Mogi. Amen. <laughs> yeah. 
I really did. Amen. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but I'm not. Amen. I'd go deal with spirits in churches where I'd get home. They'd beat me there. Amen. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, that didn't bother me. But I'm going to tell you what happened. See, oh, how can I say this without sounding real offensive? All it takes to make you the devil. Isn't it funny that Simon says, Lord, it will not be so. I mean, one minute, one minute Jesus is saying, blessed are thou, Simon Barjona. And here's Simon speaking against the will of God. And Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. All it takes is a saint sitting on the pew, or somebody sitting on the pew with a carnal mind. See, the carnal mind is not subject to anything. Whatever comes into it, just comes into it. And so what happens is, if somebody hadn't prayed in a while, somebody's not sensitive, somebody's not crucified, mortified the deeds of the flesh, somebody that has not brought every thought into captivity. They're just sitting around some night and probably goofing off, doing something they shouldn't do, and all of a sudden a little thought comes to their mind, and, and they get to pondering on it, thinking about it, and it gets to building up, and they get to believing it. It becomes very true to them, very real to them. You might as well say amen. And so the next thing you know, they become the mouthpiece. They just speak it. And so because it's coming out of humanity, we, we, we would believe it. Some of us would. Somebody gets mad. The devil tells you the preacher mistreated your little teenager. Oh, boy. It's some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen. I'm talking about people that's had the Holy Ghost for a while that ought to know better. They sit right there and let the devil put something in their mind, and it's harvest time. They don't think one thing about people that needs the Holy Ghost. They don't think one thing about trampling out the souls of men. They don't think one thing about destroying honesty and people's, people's character or their reputation. They don't think one thing about it. They just get it in their brain. They're not subject to any kind of a law. And so here they go. They become the mouthpiece of something. And they wreak havoc in the church. They want to get in the fuss. They want to fight about something. They want to accuse this or whatever. Or I tell you, oh boy, I'm getting messed up now. It's not just so much in what people say. Carnal people, spirits come by. Spirits of adultery, immorality, rebellion comes along and just picks you up. You become its hands. You become its feet. You become the body that it wants to manifest itself through and in. I got somebody here that don't more believe this than a man of the moon. Let me tell you something. You live under the influence of something. I don't care who you are. You either live under the influence of good or you live under the influence of evil. You are controlled by something. I said you are controlled by something. And what happens is, is we get ready to have a revival. It's harvest time. And the devil wants to take a situation. He moves to the congregation. He understands. Brother, I see the crops. I see the wheat about to come off. I've got to come in and trample it out. I've seen people fuss about some of the most stupid things you've ever seen in your life. It's some of the most ridiculous, trivial stuff. Reminds me of an article I read a few years ago about these Big old whales weighed tons, got to chasing fish about two inches and beached themselves chasing fish that was about two inches long. And the church, if it's not careful, 
becomes at a moment of harvest becomes so distracted by trivial trinkets and stupid carnal stuff. And we get to seeing all this stuff and we couldn't cross over if we wanted to. And I'm telling you, you mark it down. You want to know what kind of revival you have? Look at the resistance. Look at the hell that starts going on. The devil says, I got to do everything I can to trample this out and to stop it. But he said, it's time for this to cross over. And he looked at Gideon and he said, it's time for you to defeat this. And I'm telling you right now that God may have tolerated some things yesterday and yesteryear, but the church is entering into a time of true apostolic harvest. We better be real careful right now. I said, we better be real careful. I was at a, Brother Ewing, I was at a Pentecost meeting a few months ago, and Brother Billy Hale was there, and, and he had just come out of a time of prayer and fasting and spoke to us. He made a statement there that I have never forgotten, never. It impacted me so much. He talked about the life of Uzzah, who was killed because he touched the Ark of the Covenant, and he brought out the fact, and we know it, that the Ark of the Covenant was raised in the house, or it was in the house of Uzzah, his father who was a Benadad. It was there for years. Isaac grew up around the ark. How many times have he had brushed up against it as a boy? How many times have he touched it before? But all of a sudden now, he touches it and God kills him. And I'll never forget the statement that was made. Brother Hell said, you may tell your brethren why God killed him? He said, because the ark represented God's glory. And God's glory was at a threshing floor. And when God's glory comes to a place of harvest, he said things that God tolerated yesterday, he will not tolerate today. And you better hear this preacher tonight. I'm telling the church and I'm telling Eastwood tonight, things that you may have got by with some of you yesterday, when the church comes into a time of harvest and God determines you're not going to kill this one. You're not going to trample this one down. You're not going to take this one. I'm going to make sure this harvest comes to pass. I'm just looking for somebody that's got the spirit of Gideon that'll just at least try a little bit. Somebody that'll just believe, hey, we're going to have it. It's going to come to pass. This is going to take place. You better hear this preacher tonight. There is a revival coming to North America on an unprecedented scale. We've never seen a revival like what's in the making right now. We better be real careful. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of carnality. There's a lot of junk. There's a lot of stuff that's easy. It's easily to persuade you and to get your eyes off of the field. But I'm telling you, you better keep your eyes on the field. You better keep your eyes on the prize. It's not time to become distracted at the harvest. Hallelujah. My God, I got to hurry here. I got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. Amen. Jesus looked at his disciples one day and he said, I must needs go through Samaria. And they said, Samaria, my God, why do we want to go to Samaria for? Kind of like some of you and Brother Ewing says, we're going to North Lake Charles. Ooh, what do we want to go there for? Because they're souls. Souls, brother. There's no place in the kingdom for racism. 
No, sir. And don't listen. Don't tell me. Uh, you know you preach that because you live in California now. I preached that when I lived in Oklahoma. I preached that when the church was lily white. I preached that when the only people come to church was a bunch of white folks, starchy, proud white folks. God said, "You want a harvest? You're going to the wrong side of town." They that are holding out a position. I want to preach it. If we're going to have a harvest, we're going where it's white, ready to go. I mean, I'm going to preach on that a little while. Jesus said, I need to go through some area. I feel a little preach about to come on me. I've been messing around, but I feel something coming on me now. Amen. He said, I'm going to Samaria. And they got to Samaria. Jesus went to the well, sat down, starts talking to this woman. And the disciples said, uh, we, 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 we want to go buy some lunch. You know, this story, this story really intrigues me. Pastor Junior took 12 grown men to go buy lunch. <laughs> 12 grown men to go to McDonald's and to buy 12 value meals. And, <laughs> and while they're at lunch, Jesus is carrying the conversation with this woman. And when she finally got the revelation of who he was, she went and told the whole city. And the Bible says the city come to Jesus. The entire city come to him. I'm going to tell you something, Brother Ewing, I believe this with all my heart. If we will allow the Holy Ghost to do what it wants to do, we'll see revivals where the whole city is literally shaken by it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the disciples come back from McDonald's. Never said, where'd all these people come from? <laughs> James and John, some of the leading bunch in there, they're the ones that wanted to call fire down from heaven on a certain city. You tell you where the city was? The city was in Samaria. James and John have seen a few of the Jews reject Christ. They didn't want fire to come down. But brother, when somebody wasn't quite the same color they were, rejected it. They said, kill them. Nuke them. And Jesus turned. Some of you better listen to me. Jesus turned and said, you don't know what spirit you're of. He was dealing with their prejudices. Go home and study it for yourself. And here's these guys. They never say, hey, what did you do? We leave you by yourself. We come back. You got the whole town. You know what they said? Master, eat. Master, eat. We spent $3.69 for this and we don't want to waste it. Trust me, I know all the prices of McDonald's. I got three kids. Amen. Last night I said, well, we're going to eat somewhere nice, but I'm sick of fast food. And I said, where y'all want to eat? Tomorrow I started naming off all the places, you know, Outback and all stuff. And John Mark, McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. 
I said, John Mark, we're not eating fast food. He said, McDonald's is not fast food. It's good food. I said, no, 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 no. Master, eat. You know what Jesus said? I have meat to eat of that you know not of. My strength comes from doing the will of him who sent me. Now, you boys are eating on carnal stuff, and you're going to be hungry here in a little bit. And you can't even understand the precepts and the principles of true revival and dimensions of harvest because you got your eyes on your little McDonald's sack lunch. And you're caught up in carnal stuff. He said, you want to save four months and then come at the harvest. He said, I'll tell you what you need to do. He said, lift up your eyes. You know, he's telling them, you got an earthly look. You got a carnal look. You got a perception about of earthly things. Lift up your eyes. Get you a heavenly vision. Look through the eyes of the Spirit and see that the field's already white, ready to harvest. My God. We, my, the, I'm telling you, the city is at our disposal. Lake Charles is at the disposal of the Holy Ghost. But we can't see it sometimes because we got our eyes on so much sack lunches and carnal stuff and stuff, stuff, vacations and boats and cars and houses. And you sit there, listen, folks. I live everything I'm preaching tonight. I can't understand Pentecostal people that get more excited about deer hunting than they do souls. I got a real problem with that. I'll just be honest with you. I have a hard time. I sat the other night with a bunch of people. I'm not a fanatic. Believe it or not, I know I come across that way. And, and I don't want to sound weird, but if I do, I do. I sat the other night with a bunch of preachers they got more into talking about sports and who's going to win the basketball finals. They got fervent about it. They, they fired up on it, brother. They knew more about sports than they did about the scripture. You talk about revival, it's just a sporadic little something, and here they go. You watch where your heart is. That's where you're going to start talking about. And you watch. The conversation starts drifting that away. I'm trying to talk about what God's doing. They want to talk about Patrick Ewing getting busted out of a game because of something physical something. I'm like, my God. No what? Well, we got quiet in here all of a sudden. Oh, I know I'm touching the UPC's God right now. Hmm. Hmm. I'm telling you, folks, we get distracted by all these things. Boy, it's really quiet in here right now, isn't it? Amen. Oh, God, help me, Jesus, not to preach on that a little while. Amen. we, we got to get away from this stuff. Something's got to get a hold of us where we quit looking at all this with the purpose of the church and the vision. It's harvest time, folks. It's harvest time. There's a revival right here. It's right there. It's, you're not going to see it as long as you're looking down on the earthly things. I don't see anything. I don't, you know, it's kind of like the boys when Elijah got taken up with the fiery chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And, and Elisha comes back and, and, and the school of prophets, those boys sitting there said, boy, quite a dust storm over there, wasn't it? Elijah, dust storm, oh yeah, quite a whirlwind, wasn't it? Whirlwind, what are you talking about? Your perception of things depends on which side of Jordan you live on. You live on the right side of Jordan, you said, dust storm. I've seen fiery chariots and horsemen of Israel. I've seen the rapture take place. Now, if you're on the tunnel side, it's just a bunch of dirt blowing. 
You don't understand what's going on. You're like, well, they all get excited about it. Brother Ewing starts firing up. Brother, we're going to have revival. And, and people start talking about the good things of God. You're like, what's everybody getting excited about? What are they getting stirred up about? I, I don't see it that way. No, you don't see it that way. Because you live on the carnal side of life. But if you ever cross over and lift up your eyes and look, you'll be staggered. You will stagger at the blessings of God and the promises of God. you see a harvest that'll blow your mind. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm talking about revival. Some of you are not interested. Go ahead. I'm telling you what will happen. The Holy Ghost will blow you right out of here. He'll put somebody on that pew that won't be bound by the prejudice concepts. They won't be bound by carnality. They'll look on the field and the fervency of the Holy Ghost will come. They'll talk about revival. They'll talk about souls. They'll talk about the work of God. They'll talk about the kingdom of God. It possesses them. It gets in their spirit. It gets in their mind. When they wake up in the morning, they got their mind on Jesus. When they're sitting down at lunch, that food doesn't look that good. They're talking about the things of God. When it's supper time, they got their mind on Him. For perfect peace have they who keep their mind straight on Thee, O Lord. Hallelujah. It is the easiest hour to become distracted that the church has ever existed in. The world wants to distract you. Life wants to distract you. But the ideas like Jesus, when they come time for his crucifixion, he set his face like a flint. He said, I won't let a bunch of carnal disciples, I won't let them betray Judas. I won't let people that don't comprehend stop this. It's got to be done. That's the purpose of the church. We're coming on it. It's got to be done. Revival. The work of God. God must become top priority. Brother, Brother Ewing, I want to share some things with the church tonight. I feel like it's time. Several years ago, several years ago, I, I, I was privileged of the Holy Ghost and a vision that God gave me. And I've told a little of this but well, last time I was here, but I didn't understand it all. There's a whole lot more to it. But God showed me in a vision of a tremendous field, as far as you could see, was gold and green. It's the most beautiful field. It just breathes and it's just blowing in the breeze. Boy, I feel like telling this tonight. Was an old country store. And it, it was, there's two rows that crossed in front of it. And there's some old gas pumps out front. And, and I kept telling Jeff, that's where we got to go. If we can just get there, it's going to be all right. I don't understand all this new Pentecost. I really don't. I'm sorry. I, I tried. I I try to tolerate and give people a lot of leeway, but I don't understand all this modern Pentecost where it's it's the dependency upon our oratory and professionalism and our abilities. 
I don't understand that there's more flesh in it than what God wants. And I kept telling we got to get there. And I believe that God showed me that Jeff was a type of the ministers, young ministers coming on. And at the time, and Brother Young, I hope this didn't come across egotistical, because believe me, I don't mean it that way. I've, I've had people, I, I tried to run from it, tried to get away from it. And, but I believe that God has somehow given me influence with young preachers. And, and they're wounded by philosophies of ministry. And I, I've got somehow to get them to this old storehouse. I'm going to tell you, a few weeks ago, God stirred me so deeply. I woke in the middle of the night after God gave me a dream. I was laying in a bed. And God was showing me I've been too lazy about things, too at ease about things. I was laying in the bed, and I woke up, and there's an old man next to the bed rocking in a rocking chair. But Joe, I raised up. I said, who are you? And he said, I'm verbal being in the spirit of the prophets. And he started talking to me about revival and the concepts of revival. It come out of him. It come out of him like a spring of water. It just gushed out. God was showing me. I got something. I'm going to tell you, when God showed me that, it wasn't two days later, a man coming through, a preacher coming through, stopped me and said, God just showed you a dream of, of the ministry of another man. And I'm not saying this is my ministry. It's, it's the end time. He said, well, the Holy Ghost said what he had is nothing. That what God wants to do in the end time is a double portion. You better hear me. There's something that God's got for the church. There's a, there's a dimension of authority and apostolic ministry that we've not tapped into yet. I, I, I finally got, we got down to it. and I, I said, we're going to be all right. And so... That was years ago, 1992, 1992, June, June, 92. I was preaching from Tim Wallace in San Antonio, Texas. He's crazy. That's all I got to say is he's crazy. He's not sane. And I was preaching for him, and, and, and I, I was, was having a great time. And, and I got to church that Friday night, and, and all day in prayer that day, the Lord kept telling me. I had a, one of the ministers from the church with me. I kept telling him, I said, Tonight's a night of destiny. Something's going to happen in this place. Something beyond what we see. And so I got there, and Brother Wallace said, uh, I had a man call me today. He said, his name's Jerome Bourne. He said, you don't know him. He don't know you. But said, uh, he said, the Holy Ghost told him to be here tonight, that you two are supposed to meet. And I said, all right. And so he's, he showed up later in the service, and I thought, my God, that's the weirdest man I ever met in my life. <laughs> and And... He got up and told, everything's going to happen in that service. And I was like, yeah, right. I'm telling you, when it went to happen, it blew my mind. And so he's standing up there like he, like he does with his hands in his pocket and ozoned out somewhere. And, and I walked by him. I said, I had eight families that showed up in that service that night. I drove all the way from Okmulgee to be there. I didn't know they were coming. And I walked by him. I said, I said uh, Brother Bourne, if you feel like I've got some people here, like if you pray for them. And he said, if I feel like it, I will. I thought, you cocky thing, you, don't pray for him. I don't care. I can pray for him. <laughs> and so I kept pacing the platform, people praying through. It is quite a service. And, and he, he said, come here, come here. So I walked over to him, and I said, yes. He said, any your people own a grocery store? I said, no, they don't own a grocery store. 
said, okay. So he walked by me. A few minutes later, he come back by. He said, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you what the Holy Ghost showed me. He said, now somehow those people in your church and you got something to do with this store. I said, what store? He said, well, the Lord showed me a while ago a massive wheat field. And he said, at the bottom of a hill, it's an old country store. And I'm telling you, when he got about right there, I got my first spike haircut. My hair went to standing up. <laughs> I was like, <clears throat> he said, he said, I see guest pumps in the front of it and two roads cross. Now, I'm telling you, he had my attention by then. I was like, yes, sir. He said, God showed you that, hasn't he, young man? I said, yes, sir. He said, you know what it is? I said, no. He said, the field is the world. And the old storehouse is true ministry. And he said, God said he's going to use you to help train for the revival of the end time. <laughs> now, I won't tell you. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. There's a lot of other confirmations from that point on. A friend of mine got into a situation. And I really felt like they were doing him wrong, Brother Ewan. It felt like the district he was in and even the organization was doing him wrong. And it was on a Sunday night and I got in the pulpit and I vented it. Are y'all bored? I don't want to bore you now. And well, I, was, I was upset because I felt like it was an attack against apostolic ministry. So I told the church, I said, bless God, we're not going to let them do this. I'm, I'm flying out tomorrow. I'm going down there and we're going to straighten this mess out. And so next morning, I already booked my flight, and I had called him to tell him what time I was coming in. So his secretary answered the phone. And uh, I said, I want to talk to your pastor. I'm, I'm telling him that I am coming. I'm going with him to meet these people. And, and uh, I said, I just need to let him know what time. She said, well, he was standing right here. I'll go find him. She said, I'll have him call you right back. So I hung the phone up, and I turned and took about three steps. And it rang, and I thought it was him, and I picked it up, and I said, hello, and this, there's a woman in Oklahoma, her name is Chenault, I don't know if you know her or not, Brother Ewan, Sister Chenault, uh, she's an old prophetess, now trust me, I, I, I've known her to pray 8, 10, 12 hours a day, <laughs> and she said, praise the Lord, Brother Morgan. I said, praise the Lord. She said, the Holy Ghost said this morning in prayer, this is not your fight. Stay out of it. I said, excuse me. I'm telling you, folks, when God's going to keep you on track, he'll keep you on track. She called the man's name. She said, the Holy Ghost said he will die. They'll kill him. It's got to happen. You are to stay out of it. It's nothing but a distraction to you. She said, I want to ask you a question, young man. I said, go ahead. You got my full attention right now. She said, has not the Lord shown you a wheat field? I said, yes, ma'am. Did he not show you an old building in that vision? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, why are you becoming distracted then? She said, if you enter into the arena of fight, 
it will contaminate you and you will never be the same. God did not call you to fight. It's his work. It's his job. Stay out of the fight. She said, now I will tell you a story. And she told the story of her pastor years ago when they first prayed through. And in the vision that God gave her at that time, she seen her pastor in this little cabin in a wheat field. Her, her and her husband was in there with him. An angel of the Lord come to the door, knocked on it, called him outside. They went outside. She said, it's the most magnificent. She's telling me this story on the phone. She said, Brother Morgan, the most magnificent wheat field I've ever seen. So the angel of the Lord looked at my pastor and said, choose you this day which one you want. And said so he beckoned toward the wheat field. And then he pointed toward up against the cabin where there were three small bundles of wheat. He said, I watched my pastor as he chose the three small bundles. I said, he got into a fight over a deal. Pastor, three small churches died a bitter old man. He could have had the field. She said, Brother Morgan, she said, it is your responsibility to what God has called you to do to not become distracted. Keep your focus on the field. She said, don't ever look away from that field. I'm telling some of you tonight, it's the business of your adversary to get you to look away from the field. Just get you distracted by problems. Some, somebody didn't shake your hands. Somebody lied about you. Somebody owes you 20 bucks. Who cares? Let God sort it out. Let God take care of it. One of the lies of the devil is a revelation God gave me over in that cottage when I preached here that night about the avenger. It's the lie of the devil to make you think that wrong's getting by where you've got to get involved in it and try to straighten it out. If you put it in the hands of God and leave it alone, the avenger will show up and he'll take care of it. Nothing but a distraction. Leave it alone. Say, so leave it alone. Talking to somebody right now, you're in a situation that's consuming you. Leave it alone. Let God take, well, they're wrong. They've done me wrong. Let God take care of it. Evil never gets by. I don't care. The psalmist said, when I looked at the prospect of the wicked, my foot well nigh slipped. When I seen it, it looked like evil was getting by and they were getting advantage. He said, my foot well nigh slipped until I went into the house of the Lord and I seen the end thereof and I understood evil does not get by with God. Sooner or later, it's got to pay. Oh, hallelujah. It becomes nothing but distractions. We're standing right now at the greatest harvest the church has ever seen. I'm talking about North America. It's already sweeping. It's already coming. It's already happening. I got to hurry. I was preaching a few months ago, and a man came to me after service. He said, I got to tell you something. I said, what? He said, Brother Morgan, I was preaching this message right here. He said, a few weeks ago, he said, I was at the church. And I got so frustrated myself. He said, I went to the church and locked myself in there for a few days and was seeking God. He said, about the second or the third day, he said, I was up front by the pulpit area and was praying. He said, Brother Morgan, he said, it was just like I left the building. And he said, it was real. He said, I've never had anything like this happen before. He said, I was watching over this big field. And he said, there's a man out there on a little lawn tractor cutting this wheat. And he said, all of a sudden, a man comes stood next to me and said, I will tell you what this means. He said, the man on the tractor is you. 
I said, you see how much he's getting? He said, yeah. I said, that's how much revival you're having. He said, it's not very much. He said, no, but if you'll follow me. This is the exact word. I will show you the intent of God's harvest. He said, Brother Morgan, we walked over to the biggest barn you've ever seen. He said, we went through a door, and he said, when we stepped in there, he said, there was a combine. He said, it was massive. He said, the wheel of it was way over my head. He says, the biggest machine I have ever seen. He said, and this angel said, come with me. So he took me by the hand and took me up to the driver's seat. He said, sit down. He said, now sit down. My God. He said, I thought, oh, my God, this thing is so big. And he said, the angel said, this is what God will use in the end time. And he said, I looked. He said, there was no steering wheel. And I told the angel, there's no steering wheel. And the angel said, it cannot be driven by man or the flesh. It must be led of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> my God. My God, my God, my God. My God, my God, my God. Oh, it's here. I feel it here, Brother Ewing. My God. Folks, let me tell you something. Forget your ideas of how this thing's supposed to happen. Check it right out the door. What God's about to do, we've never been there before. We can't comprehend it. We, we, we don't even understand it. It's just a matter of grabbing hold of him and saying, all right, God, I don't know where you're going, and I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to follow you. I'm hanging on to you right now, God. I think, yes, we want Bible studies. Yes, we want knocking doors, but it's not coming that way. I, it's and brother outreach director i'm not trying to knock everything in the head we do all you can teach but i believe in bible studies but i'm telling you we got all these this is how it's going to happen i'm telling you it's a matter of getting in prayer say all right holy ghost whichever way you're going that's where i'm headed all right now, i don't know how it's going to come to lake charles you think i got the answer i don't all, all i know is about is tonight I gotta quit. I gotta quit. It's, it's. Before I left Oakmoggy, God made me a promise, and I, I seen it achieved, and I knew I was through. I knew God. Now this is not a big deal to you, but God told me I'm gonna give you a hundred soul revival, and in one service you'll take up a ten thousand dollar cash offering. Now I know down here where everybody's got that much in their pocket, it's not too much, but in second poorest county in the state of Oklahoma. Wasn't that amazing from Old Mogi to San Francisco? <laughs> from the, one of the poorest places in the country to one of the richest places. I feel like the Apostle Paul. I know how to be abased. <laughs> we seen things start happening in revival. Brother Chris Kraft come start revival. Revival went about seven months. And brother, we had a revival. My God, we had a revival. We achieved everything. But right up front, the Lord let me know, you're not going to control this. And boy, he told oh, I don't know if I should get into this. Oh, David Shatwell come over and was in service with us one night. And Holy Ghost got to moving. And 
And uh, I felt the gifts of the Spirit was in there. And all of a sudden, this woman sitting on the back pew, brother, she looked like Jezebel. She blurts out these tongues. I'm fixing to lose some of you right here. And she starts blurting it out. And I said, that spirit ain't coming in here. I hate that charismatic spirit that pastor. It ain't coming in here. And I started from the pulpit. And when I did, the Holy Ghost said, leave her alone. It's me. And I froze. And everything that I taught that church and believed in was flashing before my eyes. Oh, my, my God. They were what? Okay, Brother Morgan. When are you going to shut her down? I'm stuck between the chair and the pulpit, and the church is watching. And I'm like, God, Lord. And I whirled around, looked at those that way, said, feels real to me. And before I knew it, I give the interpretation. I'm like, oh, God. You know what the interpretation was? I will show you this night that you will not control me. I will bring them in. They will have hands who will be lifted to me. They will have a voice who will utter praises to me. They will have a heart that longs for me. You will not control me, saith the Lord. You know, it went on. I'm like, my God, what have, what have I done? What have I done? On the way home, my wife said, I want to know what went on there tonight. I said, I don't know. I'm having a meeting with the family Monday night. We're going to talk about it. So the, this lady showed up Monday night. <laughs> we got in the office. I said, where are you from? She said, Los Angeles. I said, uh, you go to church anywhere? No. You have the Holy Ghost? No. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> you don't have the Holy Ghost? She said, huh. I said, you know anything about God? She said, a little bit. I said, well, tell me what you know. She said, well, I'll tell you this. She said, my life got so desolate. She said, one night laying in bed, I thought I was going to take my own life. And she said, I got to weep, and I cried out to God. She said, when I come to, she said, I talk in this funny language. I said, you don't know anything about this? She said, no, sir. I said, have you ever been baptized? When I was a little girl. That's all you know about God. That's it. I said, right there in the office, I gave her a Bible study. Oh, God, I'm in trouble now. I said, that, that, that's all you know. That's it. I baptized her and her husband a few weeks later. Actually, it wasn't her husband. They'd just been living together. Think on that. See, in Pentecost, I got some of you worried right now. See, in Pentecost, we've always thought the gifts of the Spirit prove spiritual maturity. They don't prove nothing. They're gifts. People get all lifted up because God spoke through them. Well, don't get too lifted up. He used a donkey one time. Now, what represents spiritual maturity is fruit of the Spirit. And it takes time to develop fruit. And some of you saints have been around church for a while need to remember that. Oh, I got to quit. <laughs> He showed, brother, brother Ewing, you know, in our little deal, we want to preach these scary stories and bang them over the fire and 
Tell them if they don't come to the altar tonight, God's going to cut their head off in a train wreck. Now, you can sit there and laugh, but that's, that's how we do it in the South. Have to, have to tell all these horrible stories and deep conviction and God tugging on them and jerking their heads out of place to get them to the altar. It didn't happen that way. They got to get in the Holy Ghost and song service. We get in song service and, and people just get to weeping. You didn't wiggle during song service. If you were a visitor, you didn't move because if you started moving, they were going to pray you through. Whether you wanted it or not, they were going to pray you through during song service. I never was, Brother Ewing, it, it moved in manners. I was like, okay, God. All right. All right. You drive this combine however you want to drive. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. Lord, mercy. Now, I'm going to tell you a little something and I'm closing. Uh, in January, I, I, God really likes me. Brother Ewing, God really likes me. I think I'm one of his favorites. I, I really mean that. But Joe, I, I love the work of God. I love revival. And God had shown me some stuff, and, and I wasn't seeing it happen. So he just picked me up and said, I'll show it to you. Come on. I left Oatmonge in January. Tell a little bit about it. Now, I'm, i got to tell this because it, it has to do with this church. So I left Oatmonge. And got into California, and I was like, okay, God, I'm here. I don't know what's going to happen next week, but I'm here. And God was fixing to mess my whole world up in my plans. And so I get there. I was preaching at the Rock Church, Brother Wilson. And in my mind, I'm going to be out there the 30 days I told you about, and then I'm going back. And I was going to pastor both churches. And that's the way, until I got the one in San Francisco, I could go in and tempt somebody and go do it somewhere else. You know, you can have a daughter work. We going to let one be in San Francisco. <laughs> and so I, I got involved in this, and a little lady at church came up to me, and she said, uh, this is in January at a year ago in Sacramento, and she said, the Lord said you will never pastor again like you used to. You will travel the rest of your life. And uh, it, it started. Now, let me tell the story. I, I, I was in prayer, and the Lord showed it to me. And whether you believe that or not, to that, because when it happens, then God will confirm it. I seen the Bay Area and around it a, a, a flame of fire. But you know, this was during the time when you were at Modesto and all that was going on there. It's all connected. It's all connected. And uh, this, this spark of fire spread all up and down the West Coast. I mean, it engulfed the West Coast. And uh, see, here's the advantage we got. It's Pentecost all over. God brought people out of every nation to, to Jerusalem. And God has brought people out of every nation to America. He's got the best missions program you could ever ask for. He just brings them to us. And so this, this flame of fire sparked. And I watched it, and all of a sudden around Houston, 
it starts going up. <laughs> and it starts moving. It's moving eastward. And I watched it come across like it's coming right up Interstate 10. And I watched it hit Lake Charles. It was nothing but a flame of fire from Houston all the way across here. And that fire went through Lake Charles and it headed toward New Orleans. Now, see, God is going to take the two most evil cities in North America. San Francisco, and New Orleans. And he's going to prove something to people. You better hear this preacher tonight. This church plays a very integral part. Brother Ewing, in things on the West Coast and in this part of the country. That's why God called your pastor out there and made a connection a connection. That's why this church has connections in the Bay Area. Because God said, what I'm about to do, I'm going to hook it together. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, if you think we're just going to have a few good service to pray a few folks through, and that's the kind of revival, we close right now. That's not what this is all about. This thing is m so much bigger than what we comprehend. That's why I'm preaching to you tonight. Get rid of every distraction. This is our time. This is it. This is it. This is the moment that the Holy Ghost has been waiting on. Lake Charles is in store for one of them old-fashioned city-shaken revivals. It all, I, I don't know what all to tell y'all. It all ties right into it. Now, now I, again, I'm not on an ego trip. God, trust me, just keep saying I'm to not on an ego trip. I spent, I spent all of last year in a spiritual wilderness wondering what in the name of God am I doing? And that crazy Gordon Mallory called me in November. Doc, I got to meet you. I said, all right, I'm in Modesto preaching. I, he said, I'll meet you. I spent at the double tree. He said, I'll meet you at the double tree. And we met. Brother Ewing, I just sat down and wrote it all out. Can't take cities by sending little home missionaries in there. We're going to take cities in North America. We've got to put armies together. You don't take a major stronghold and send a private in there. And then they're there two or three years. We put money in there. They get frustrated, lose the families, and leave. Well, we wasted money. We ought to be smarter than that. I'm letting it all out of the bag tonight. It's crazy. Got Pentecostal people sitting on pews, supposed to be soldiers, been in boot camp for 35 years. 
got major cities that we need to take. We got all the resources. We got everything we need to take North America. We got it. But we're distracted. I'm not talking about people leaving a church. I told Brother Mallory, I said, Brother Mallory, it's not a matter of people having to leave a church. I said, why in the name of God can't we take evangelistic teams out of churches? They're doing it in the Philippines. It, it's working in the Philippines, and we got this concept. Well, it always works overseas. It's going to work here. We don't even try it. How do we know it will work or it won't work? We're so afraid to step out. We want to go hide. My God, come on, Gideon, get down here. Let's try something. Let's do something. If we got, I'm losing you. We're on a sinking ship with some of you here. We got as much truth as we say we do, as much God as we say we do. Let's try something. Let's get out of these four walls and do something. We take this city. You can help take San Francisco. You can help take New Orleans. And it don't stop there. You think I'm on a, I'm crazy, don't you? I'm telling you, you've got to a forever left old mogey. My dad walked up to me, of all people, said, Son, I don't know what this means. He never done this before in his life. He said, The Lord said, Because you've been faithful with small works, he'll give you ten cities. And that crazy Gordon Mallory come preach that night in Modesto. He didn't even know this stuff. He whirled around me, he said, Didn't God tell you he'd give you cities? He said, Were there, oh God, I feel it getting on me right now. He said, well, there's been walls of tremendous opposition. He said, in the end time, God will give you authority. He said, those walls will become paper thin. You speak the word, and God said he'd bring them down. I'm telling you, cities, I believe it. I'm crazy enough to believe it. Cities that have been bound and resisted, the apostolic just be to show up. Satan, your kingdom's coming down. I said, your kingdom is coming down. Why I'm in Lake Charles right now. God show me this is it. This is one of them. Not talking about just praying a few folks through it. That's it. I'm talking about taking the city. You get voted in as sheriff, we'll help you. We'll take them. You don't have to lock them up. We'll take them off the streets, pray them through, get them the Holy Ghost. Got to take the drugs out of their veins. We'll take the alcohol out of their system. We'll save taxpayers a lot of money. Oh, God. Jesus. My God. Let's take it. Don't be distracted right now. You get ready. If the devil hadn't hit you, he's coming. He'll try everything he can. In the initial part of this revival, get everybody distracted. Just, go, blah, 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 blah. Just tell him, say, I know what you're doing. Get behind me, Satan. I'm staying focused. This is my revival. It's here. Let's pray a moment. Everybody, let's pray.
Jesus. 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 I believe the Lord is fixing to confirm his word in this building right now. I wonder how many people's in this building right now. You're in this building right now. And you have had something in your life that has become a distraction to you. And, and you see it and you know it. Maybe it's a problem, a situation, an attack, whatever. There's something that has come into your life that has become a distraction to you. The Lord wants to liberate you from that tonight. I'm asking God, I'm asking God to let that very spirit that I'm preaching about, that, that depth, move through here tonight. And when it moves through here, God will confirm his word with signs following. Believe people be delivered. Some will receive the Holy Ghost. Others will be healed. Some of you are going to get victory tonight. Some of you are getting a little revelation. Now I know why this has attacked me. 
It's nothing but the enemy trying to get me distracted because it's my harvest time. I, I really feel like I need to say one more thing before we come. Brother Ewing, when that, when Joshua and them got on the other side of Jordan, God said, I'm going to give you the old corn. I'm going to give you the new. The old corn was the stuff in the barns. And you know what that represented? The harvest of past that they missed. He said, I've been saving up for you. Put it in their barns. And then I'm going to give you what's in the field. Second thing that happened was when he got down there, he, he meets this man. He said, Gideon, or Joshua says, friend or foe? And the answer is, I'm captain of the host. He never appears to Israel on the wilderness side of Jordan. He only came because Israel had him in the time of harvest. And when the church gets into that harvest, there'll be things come to us to help us. We've never experienced before. Somebody said, what about the enemy? We'll let the captain of the host take care of the enemy. We'll just get a, we'll get a sickle in our hand. I feel this so strong, I'm about to blow up right now. something in your life that's been a distraction to you? I tell you, just, just step out and come to the front. Come on. You're here tonight, you want the Holy Ghost, you need a miracle. I invite you to come to the front with us. Won't you come stand? tell you something before we get into this here. Just, just listen to me. Brother Ewing, I want to say this up front. But, but Starks, Starks is another key to this area. And I don't, but there's something, my God, something from the past. Something from the past. This area used to be a, a, a hot spot of revival. Houston. I read about the other day, Brother Ewing, a, a young man in the San Diego church gave me a book, The Winds of God, The Life of Howard Goss. I read it. I got to look at this and said, my God. Now I see why. 
Now I see why. If, if the Lord will permit, if the Lord will permit in the morning, and I haven't prayed about it, but if I see the way I see it now, I'm going to preach in the morning on how to bring the fire. How to bring the fire. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You ready to get rid of that distraction? You ready to tell the devil he's a liar? Satan, get behind me. I'm going to do the will of God. You want that distraction removed out of your life? Throw your hands in there and ask the Holy Ghost right now. God, you've got to help me. God, you've got to help me right now. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. 